Hi, this is Pastor John. Welcome to the Consume Church Weekly Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message, Deep Calls to Deep. For any further information about this message or the ministries of Consume Church, you can check us out at theconsumechurch.com. Is it not a great day to be alive? Yes. Great day to be in the house of the Lord. Yes. I love this cooler weather. I actually wore a jacket, but the pre-service prayer team uh, started lighting me up, and I had to take it off. <laughs> like, whoa, talk about the uh, prayers of the saints, burning like incense. Man, I'll tell you what, hallelujah. Oh, well, there it is. Yeah, in that, in that video when I said that this wasn't good, I didn't mean the chili wasn't good. I meant that it didn't bode well for me. If you were here, I was talking a lot of smack about me winning the chili contest. And uh, as I tasted the chili, I was like, this is not a good thing. Every single chili was out of this world really good. And uh, I had to concede the defeat, but uh, that's a good thing. Because my chili was the best somewhere, but not here. So, anyways... Congratulations, Sylvia and uh, Alyssa, right? Yeah, you guys did an awesome job. So, Oh, man. I hope you all are ready for this. I'm, I'm just like, all right, Lord, you just take this thing where you want to go. You know, sometimes I get ready to share the word, and there's like three to four times more than I need to really get the point across, so... <laughs> Uh, yeah, well, today I want to call, talk about going deeper in the Lord. Um, a couple of weeks ago, I talked about an experience that we had up in North Carolina when we went to uh, the Catch the Fire Overflow Conference, uh, and then they had this great idea to schedule the pastor's retreat like two days later, actually a day and a half later, and so it was just like eight days of going after the Lord and the Lord pouring, pouring, pouring. And so there's definitely this overflow thing going on with me, but uh, it's probably going to take a while. You're going to hear stuff that God did in me, stuff that I heard from the Lord um, for a while. And, uh, you know, that's good because I went on purpose seeking, all right, Lord, I know that this is a new day. This is a new chapter in the life of our church. It's a new chapter in in my life. And um, anyways, I talked two weeks ago about the experience that I had uh, when Heidi Baker spoke. Do you all remember that? How many of y'all were here when, when we did that? Anybody else? So about half of you. Anybody else might have heard it online? Well, basically, I had this experience in the Lord uh, where the Lord revealed to me uh, my own spiritual bankruptcy. I just realized that, Lord, yes, you've done all this amazing stuff in me, but we're not seeing people get healed. We're not seeing the miraculous like you've, like you've said that we would have. Uh, and I just realized, I just need more. I mean, we need more of his presence. We need more of the anointing. We need more of God showing up in our church, showing up in our communities. And it's just like, has the Lord said he would do it? Yes. So where's the disconnect between the Lord having made his promises, me believing it, and actually seeing those things fulfilled? Well, the Lord said, you got to go deeper. 
You got to go deeper. And so I have so many scriptures about this, but deep calls to deep is the name of the, the message today. You all ready to go deeper? <laughs> oh, man. It's like, okay, Lord, where are we going with this? But um, in Isaiah 55, I mentioned that last time that I spoke. And I, I talked about the first few verses, just quoting, let him who thirsts come and, and buy food and buy drink, right? But if you drop down to verse 10, it says, for as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven <clears throat> and do not return there, but water the earth and make it bring forth in bud that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. Yes. And that verse I just decided to use while I was on the floor because Brother Brad uh, had actually shared uh, out of Revelation about the prayers of the saints being that bowl of incense that's there at the throne and that bowl being poured out. And so I want to talk about this subject matter of prayer. So I don't want to beat around the bush here. Uh, the Lord started speaking to me about the necessity for us to enter into a new season where we shift our lives and make room for him in intercession and in prayer. And I know that as you think about that, you think, wow, okay, I'll have to kind of brace myself for this. Uh, it sounds very utilitarian, but I want to talk about the joy and the wonder and the amazing uh, things that happen when we find our place as an intercessor and find ourselves cultivating a prayer life that we understand that we're before the throne of God, that we're in his presence. Does that sound like a deal? Okay. So he's calling us into a place to step into the more of God. But how do we actually see that come to pass? God is calling us to the next level to transition to go deeper and it's prayer and intercession is that next one. So deep calls to deep. You know, we sing songs about that. That song we sang last week got me so excited. You know, jump, jump, jump in the river. Deep cries out, deep cries out to deep. I've got a river, right? I think I opened the service last week saying uh, the, the Psalms, what is that, 46? Talking about there is a river whose streams make glad the city of our God. Right. And I said, all right, everybody say, I'm a stream. Let's do it again. I am a stream. You realize you're a stream in the river of God. Hallelujah. And I'm getting ahead of myself, but I can't help it. Psalms 42, if you have your Bibles, you can go there. Seven and eight. It's the verse that talks about deep calling to deep. And this is a very interesting passage uh, or interesting psalm. I'm going to read it. Deep calls to deep at the roar of your waterfalls and your breakers. All your breakers and your waves have gone over me. (laughs) We are the catch the fire church. Y'all know that, right? (laughs) Uh, By day, the Lord commands his steadfast love. And at night, his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. And so this is, uh, I believe, uh, one of the priests that's running, fleeing for their life with David when Absalom is taking over the kingdom. And basically, if you read the whole psalm, uh, actually, he starts the psalm like this. As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants the soul. uh, So, (laughs) I got to slow down, sorry. So pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for you, for the living God. 
when shall I come and appear before the Lord? So basically he's talking about his prayer life that he's accessing. Uh, He's longing for the house of the Lord. See, back in that day, the presence of the Lord was in the temple. And that place where he could go and receive from the river of God that he would drink He equates that to being like a deer who's thirsty that needs a drink, that I need the presence of the Lord. And he's, most of this is a lament, so to speak, uh, as he's on the run and fleeing from Absalom. You know, and basically his heart is like, Lord, I just so long to be in your presence. I so long for you to flow in and through me. I need you like, like a deer needs water. And there's something wrong in the kingdom. The kingdom is not right. The king is out on the run and his throne is being challenged. Y'all remember that story? And so there's this subject matter that even before in the Old Testament, before we get to the place where Jesus declares that the river of living water that comes from the throne is actually the Holy Spirit that is now living inside of us. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. So let's just talk about the river of God for a minute, okay? Uh, John 7, y'all all remember this one, 37 and 38. On the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and he cried out saying, if anyone thirsts, <clears throat> now cried out, you know, means like he shouted in the midst of a bunch of people. I think it must have had something to do with, would you get a clue? I think the, the, the tradition has it that at the Feast of Tabernacles, they're going on for eight days, and for seven days, they're going and drawing well, water out of the well of Siloam. And I'll get to the reason why the water of Siloam was important in a minute, but I believe the pool of Siloam was actually fed by a stream or by a river, underground river, uh, that is prophetically coming from the temple of God. Some people have actually said that they found the Gihon popping up, you know, Ezekiel's uh, waterways that he dug underneath the city of Jerusalem, that it was actually flowing up through the temple. So that may be actually uh, geographically correct, I don't know, Uh, but anyways. So it was part of their practice to take the water and to do things in their religious ritual um, with the water and pour it out and to symbolize Uh, God's spirit being poured out. And Jesus cries out and says, hey, anybody who thirsts, let him come to me and drink. I am the brook. I am that river that the deer pants for. He who believes in me, and and this is verse 38, and it's very important. He who believes in me. As the scriptures said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. And so Jesus is testifying that, look, those that believe in me, we're not talking about just mental assent or we signed a card somewhere that said my religious affiliation is Christianity, but if you actually believe me that there's an activation that takes place, there's an activation where deep, the deep parts in, in us, the, the water that has come down, his word that has actually penetrated into our spirit man, that that actually comes bursting out when we believe in the Lord. But, you know, believing in faith has something to do with priming the pump and out of us. If we will prime the pump of the word of God that is down inside of us, bursting out of us will be rivers of living water, which obviously we know is the Holy Spirit. So how do we connect these things together? 
Isaiah 12, 3 in a prophetic word said, therefore with joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. Hmm. There's a scuba diver up there. We're going to do that next month. Can't wait. (laughs) Therefore with joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. Hmm? Oh, Isaiah 12, verse 3. So apparently when you get saved, the Lord deposits a well deep down inside of you. And it's the joy of the Lord that's our strength. It is our absolute joy to tap into that well. (laughs) Thank you, Lord. I had, when we were in uh, North Carolina, I had a few prophetic words spoke over me. And uh, I think it was like two days before it ended, so... To say I was a little gassed uh, is an overstatement. You know, the overflow. We were definitely, I had had the Lord pouring into me and pouring into me the word, the word, the word. And um, so, you know, you wouldn't think I'd need any more words, but this was, these were some really good words. So uh, one brother said, uh, I think I was on my hands and knees in worship. And he said, I saw the Lord show me that you've been on a, a gravel road and you've had to be on your hands and knees, you know, going through a rough season, basically. You've had a a road where it's required that. But he's now putting you on this smooth road where, where it's a nice paved highway where things are gonna get a lot easier in the spirit, right? So I was like, that's a good word. So I, you know, I just laid back on the floor and was looking up and the Lord was just ministering to me. It was a really sweet time. And another brother comes over and he says, hey, when I saw that fellow uh, giving you a word, the Lord immediately spoke to me and he said, you've got a river. He's given you a river. And that river has everything you need in it, provision, abundance, uh, life, health, wealth, whatever. It's all in this river. And he said, you have access to that river. But he said, you got to pump it. The Lord says, he's given you access to that thing like you've never seen before. If you will just get the water flowing, if you'll start pumping, then everything that you need is in that water. Of course, I, I honestly, I thought, well, this is the least profound word that I've got all week. Uh, I didn't give it as much. I received it, but I was just like, okay, um, this is like stuff on top of stuff. And uh, I, I know what that meant, you know, because the Lord had already been talking to me about raising up a, a voice of prayer out of this house. You know, since... COVID, really since the transition of the church to what we are now from what we were before, and then COVID, you know, it's been like on my hands and knees <laughs> on a gravel road, but things are starting to smooth out. You know, the Lord is really moving, and uh, you guys are doing an amazing job, and uh, just being family, being family and worshiping God with our hearts, that expressive worship that we do just so blesses the Lord, but it's getting easier but he's promised that we would have more, the more of God, the greater things of God. And it's all in the river of his presence that comes from the throne, comes from out from underneath the altar and flows out. Are y'all following me? (laughs) Uh, Just like that song, stirring up deep, deep wells. I'm gonna jump, jump, jump in the river. You know, we used to kind of giggle about that song like it's a, 
youth camp song because you do a go to the left and then you go to the right. We're going to jump, jump, jump in the river. That is such a profound song, though. There's so much about that um, that is just so deep. So I think we have some pictures. Let's put the first picture up. There it is. So I want to talk about what it means to the Lord have me look up well digging. Okay, so I don't know how many of you know too much about wells, but because we're talking about this terminology, uh, well digging is an ancient practice. You know, if you look in the Old Testament, you see the stories about Abraham's wells and then Isaac and Jacob going back to the wells. And what was like their number one issue with wells? Their neighbors would their neighbors would throw dirt in them and stop them up. Well, why would they do that? You know, because the reason is that if you have water, it takes water for, to sustain all life. These guys are living out in the Mesopotamian area, out in the desert, where there's seemingly very little water. So the rain comes down, and you've got that water but you really have to rely on the water because it goes into the earth. It doesn't return where it came from. But there's something about, there's a reservoir underneath that actually catches that water that requires some digging to access it. All right, so <laughs> you have, uh, and I don't know if I can say that word there, a potentiometric surface. I think that's talking about just streams where water collects on the top. Lakes, you know, we put in dams and low spots and make, so you have water that's on the top like that. So talking about anywhere in the world, especially here in Texas, you know, we came through a 10-year drought about 2014. It started raining again, bless God, and we've, the lakes are full. Hallelujah, right, Brad? <laughs> Lots of fish swimming in the lakes. Anyways, uh, so you have that, uh, and then you have access, if that dries up, if it doesn't keep raining and that dries up. Well, then you have this groundwater thing uh, in this next surface. And you can see all the way to the right, that's just a silly little picture of a, a water table well. And, um, you know, there's places in the world and, uh, where at times you could dig down two feet and find water. Even places where they don't, you know, it, it's been in a drought, but there's water because the, the, the ground retains the water. Okay, but what happens when there's a demand put on that is that that can be pumped dry real quick. I used to live about a mile or two this way in Colleyville, and I had a, uh, a pipe in my backyard that had a bucket over it all those years, and we'd like to go back there with the kids and drop rocks down in here, ping, 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 psh, splash. Well, there was a well there, and um, the city, there was a well there. Now, now, there was a well there until the city, uh, because that piece of property had been there a long time, probably, I don't know, 100 years or something, if whoever was there way before me had a well because that's pretty common to be out in the country to call somebody and dig a well. You know, typical wells uh, used to be, I don't know, say 30, 40 foot deep around here anyways to, to, to get to that first layer, that first water table. And um, But anyways, the city put in a big well at the two streets over, and you could see it. It was chain links, probably still, I'm sure it's still there. Chain linked off, and you see all the pipes and everything, and they pump that thing dry, so everybody's wells just, it's like a sponge, you know. If a sponge is full of water and you squeeze it out over here and it runs out, there's none left. Hmm. 
So what you have to do, uh, the guy I bought the house from, he said he called a well company and came out, and they came out and did seismic readings on the ground to see where there would be another source of water under the ground. Uh, was it 1,500 feet? 1,500 feet. And so this would be back in like 91. That was going to be five or $6,000 to drill just to drill that far down and put a pipe down in there to, to tap that. And uh, that's just not worth it to water your yard, so that didn't happen. But uh, that's very common occurrence throughout history that people would fight over the groundwater. And so an interesting fact about groundwater is only about 23%, I think, of the water that we uh, use to um, bathe and water our lawns and, you know, for residential use um, or even um, commercial use comes from the sky or comes from our reservoirs, from this uh, potentium metric <laughs> surface. Surface water is only about 23% of the water we use. Y'all realize that? The other 77% of the water is actually groundwater that they drill for, like in farming. And uh, anyways, I thought that was pretty interesting that there is in the next layer of earth, there is reservoirs of water. Basically, the, the earth itself, the strata of the earth is full like a sponge. Okay, so y'all get the concept. Yes, the Lord is calling us to drill deeper. Drill deeper. Let's, let's, uh, y'all remember the Ezekiel 47? I think I quoted it a couple times lately, but the Ezekiel 47 river, the river that's talked about in Revelation 22 is actually, uh, just putting a, a little another spin on the same river of God that flows from underneath the throne. Um, it's interesting, I've always heard that Ezekiel 47 passage. So it's the passage where uh, the Lord takes Ezekiel and shows him water running out from underneath the temple. It's coming out from the south side of the altar. It's running out the east. And he says, come around outside. And he goes, I think, to the outside of the city because there's gates involved. And then all of a sudden there's a man and a man's got a thousand cubit long measuring line. And he starts measuring a thousand cubits and a thousand cubits. Every thousand cubits, the water as it's flowing away from the throne is getting deeper and deeper and deeper. You know, ankle deep, knee deep, waist deep, and then I got to swim, right? <clears throat> That's quite interesting because I've always heard it preached like it's just a river right there and he's just getting in, he's kind of afraid to get a little, and then he gets a little deeper, he's getting braver until you get all the way in and the Holy Spirit takes you away. Well, that's not a bad interpretation necessarily, but it's actually that it's getting further away from the source. It gets deeper and stronger and takes you down. So how can that, how can we relate that to the Holy Spirit? Before I tell you that, the metaphor being used is not that foreign of a metaphor. So in the Middle East, in ancient times, they had discovered uh, this way of irrigating water. Let's go to the next one. Next picture. They found ways to uh, leverage, monopolize upon the reservoirs that are under the ground uh, by digging tunnels in the earth. And basically they would go to a higher spot. They would find that, you know, the strata follows 
the um, geography, but they would go to a higher spot and drill in, or dig down, I should say, and then dig tunnels for it to come out. And so, you know, if you were actually wise, when I talk about the subject matter of the Lord saying, hey, I've given all this to you, it, it hasn't returned void, it's still there, it's time to tap the reservoir, or you can just wait for it to rain. And I think that a lot of times we wait on the rain, and that's good. We say, Lord, bring the former and the latter rain, or we want the latter rain. But guess what? People that have actually learned how to leverage irrigation and digging principles are able to get to 77% of the water rather than the 23. I want the 77%. You know what I mean? Yeah, we've had some healings. Yeah, we've had the Lord show up. But what if we started drilling and drilling and actually made canals for that water to flow out? So this is uh, in Iran. They say that in Iran they call it a quanat. And the interesting thing is the some of these quanats, so they are uh, underground tunnels that as they chisel into the, that layer, the aquifer, I'm sorry, I haven't been using the word aquifer. The aquifer is the reservoir that is down deeper. When you chisel into the aquifer, the earth itself begins to just seep water. So what they would do back in those days, would, uh, they would gradually dig it at a, at a decline so that gravity would take it. It's kind of like our water tower sitting on the hill right there. But gravity would take it where it needs to go. And so the interesting thing is they discovered that technology around the time that Ezekiel is prophesying. <laughs> that was relatively new technology. And that ancient world began to monopolize on this um, back in that day. And so the Lord was using a metaphor, obviously. Um, now, whether or not there is actually the Gihon Spring coming up underneath the temple, whatever. That, that doesn't take away from what I'm saying. Um, but they dug and they dug and they dug. Let's go to the next one. So that would be inside one of the canals. There are over... 30,000 miles worth of canals in Iran today that are ancient from like 600 years before Christ. That's how you get gardens in the desert. That's how you get stuff to grow in a dry place. Go to the next picture. That's what it looks like from the top because they would make ventilation holes. Uh, let's go to the next picture. One of these days, I'll learn how to format and control it with my iPad. (laughs) Is there any more pictures available? Okay, now this one I like because that shows uh, a place in Iran. It's obviously higher elevation, but you can see where they, um, so they drill into the side of a higher elevation and they pipe it. Where's that other one with the pipe? And then I'll come back to this one. Nope, nope, nope. <laughs> there it is coming out, but no, that um, there's one more that maybe it got missed. Oh well. Anyways, it actually shows a diagram of like a mountain, and there's a, a pipe, and the strata going like this, and and the the um, canal goes right into here, and it has all these vent stacks, and it actually goes out. So go back to the one where it just shows the land. 
There you go. But basically, that, that's what it would look like to be having streams in the desert. So it, it, was, it was a metaphor. Obviously, he's talking about the Holy Spirit. He's talking about the life of God coming, bursting out from, under, from, from within us, where the rain has come down, has come down into the bucket, right? And the, but there's a way for us to access that more than we're accessing it right now, and the way is through intercession and prayer, a deeper prayer life. I don't know if y'all can see this. That's the picture I was trying to show you. <laughs> there it is. I, it must have got lost in the, the others. Um, anyways, I spent way too much time looking at Quanots and uh, well digging, and I just was fascinated with the whole thing. But So, oh, there it is. There it is. Yeah, see the mother well. You're talking about a higher elevation. You can see the uh, water table and... Um, anyways, the, the deeper level there, the aquifer. We have aquifers here in Texas. I already forgot the name of the aquifer here in Texas. It doesn't matter. I think you'll get the point. So what keeps us from prevailing in prayer? Uh, what keeps us from having that actualized experience where we see that coming out. I mean, you know, when I start talking about getting together for intercession and prayer, I, I'm just warning you right now, that is what I'm doing. I feel like the Lord's calling us as a church to make sure that we're a house of prayer, that prayer gets um, a high priority here. And so we're going to start that again. We've done it from time to time, but it's just like communion. We didn't do communion today, but, you know, sometimes you pick, well, we're going to do this thing, we're going to do that thing. But I feel like the Lord said, look, all the stuff that you need, I'm taking that word seriously, all the stuff that we need is in the river already. We just got to start pumping. And so we're going to do that corporately. And uh, so I hereby invite you Saturday mornings right here at 8 a.m. at this very place. Me and Brad did it yesterday. And uh, I know Miss Linda and, and several of the other ladies pray every Wednesday on, uh, what, what time do y'all meet, 10 a.m. or 11 a.m.? And uh, I'm telling you, it's invaluable what they do. It is invaluable. Uh, nothing, nothing moves without prayer. It's like that water that comes and brings everything downstream. We have to have a regular um, expression of prayer. We just need more of it, yeah. And so anyways, I'm telling on myself, you know, because I haven't instituted it yet. I have had seasons where I've done that. Um, there was a season in my life at my last church where, you know, they say, well, you know, we're going to get together and have a prayer meeting talking about why don't we do this, right? And you think, oh my gosh, because not everybody prays alike. You, you get in a room and there's this fear that somebody's gonna start talking about Aunt Faye's bunions and we're gonna pray for that for 40 minutes or whatever. And, uh, but I'm telling you that it's different. It's, it doesn't have to be like that. I, I, I had this passion. When, when I was over there, I was in leadership at another church and it was like that very thing I was discovering, like, like God was saying, look, I've, I've poured so much word. There's only so much words you can receive reading the word or getting words from the Lord that you hear audibly or somebody prophesying over you before your reservoir is ready to burst that you have to do something with it. And I was just like groaning like, man, this is just not right. Was, you know, I, I feel like um, Asaph or whoever that was that wrote that psalm, you know, stuff's not right in the kingdom. You know, we're facing things and there's just... God's better than that. We shouldn't have to have these struggles. That road should be smooth. That river should be flowing. And so I would kind of stir up and say, hey, 
we're going to do a, a prayer time, intercessory prayer time. And, you know, I'd give my best pitch for it. And we'd have 30 people show up. And I'm like, yes, praise God. People are on board. And we'd pray and it would be awesome. And then the next time, you know, if it was every other week, I think is what I was doing, you know, there'd be 12. And then the third time there'd be three. And then it was just me and one other guy. And I said, Lord, I'm going to do it no matter what. I'm going to do it no matter what. For years, I met with this guy without fail, and we pressed in, and we pressed in, and we pressed in, and we poured out. And uh, I was so thankful for this, for this fellow. And he's actually been here a few times because we, we, we got, fell so in love with the presence of God that is there in a different sense. There, it, it's this, obviously, it's the same. We just had an amazing time in his presence. We were before the throne at, at one point, while we were saying the Lord is worthy, you know, I, I started praying in the spirit and it was like at Jesus's feet. But you know, we don't have to wait till Sunday. We don't need a band. But the Lord's calling us to another level of this and I'm gonna steward it. Actually, as before we moved in here, Dave, you were one. I, I know there's several of y'all that did. But we prayed every Saturday morning over this place. A lot of people more faithful than me in it. You know, I understand that everybody's got stuff. You know, we have busy schedules. But I feel like the Lord is calling us to shift and adjust and make time for corporate prayer. Uh, because it's what greases the skids. It's what gets the river flowing. It's what gets things moving. And I'm so thankful, Dave, to you and, and everybody that, uh, that came and, and prayed because I, I guarantee you we would probably still be in another building right now had we not uh, pursued the Lord and, and activated those things. All right, so there's some things that keep us. So what keeps us from prevailing in prayer? Number one is priorities, and I've already touched on that. You know, I hear people say stuff like, yeah, I'm not real good at that. That's, that's not my calling. You know, I'm called to be an apostle or a, I'm called to be a, a, a prophet or whatever, and they say that's not my call. But see, the call is to Jesus himself. It's, it's to a table. He's called us to a table. He's called us... I say a table, it's the, the table to eat from, but it's also the table of the boardroom. It's the table of his counsel. He's called us to a place where he's given us his authority as we rest in him, right? He's called us to the Father, but he's called us to that place where we are seated in him in heavenly places. And y'all gotta know that from the throne of heaven, he's declaring and decreeing, and he's asked us to be a portal a conduit right here on earth to echo and repeat, to create this space, this atmosphere right here that mirrors what's going on in heaven because we're seated in him, in that council, we have authority. It's in that way that we pray. Huh. Michael Berdour said, I think it was Michael Berdour when we were in North Carolina. He said, God hasn't called us to relationship but to partnership. And what he meant by that is, you know, we focus so much of our faith on, well, it's my personal relationship with Christ and I'm nursing this thing over here. And we don't understand that the relationship is a partnership. It is a family type partnership. It's a sonship or a daughtership deal, but it's a partnership. We get to actually see his kingdom come. But you gotta prime the pump. He wants to do it in and through us. Bill Johnson always talks about co-laboring with the Lord. 
The apostles saw prayer as the most important activity of their faith. Y'all realize that? We place a lot of emphasis on, you know, a, a worship set, which we should. It's really awesome. And we place a lot of emphasis on the, the um, preaching of the word, and we should. It's really important. But the apostles made a regular part of their life prayer. In, in the book of Acts, you see this when uh, I think it was Peter and James, is that right, Peter and John? They were going to the temple for prayer in the ninth hour. It was just what they did every day, going to prayer. I mean, what would that look like? Places like Bethel, they do that. Bethel Church in Redding, California, they would have 24-7 prayer. I envision us doing that. Please don't hear me that I'm putting that on you like an expectation. (laughs) All right, y'all are going to be here every day, all day long praying. I'm not saying that. But I think one day we can get to the place where we have a house of prayer where it's just incense before the throne, constantly going up on behalf of our city, on behalf of our nation, on behalf of our communities, on behalf of families, on behalf of the church, on behalf of the kingdom of God moving forward. Ha, somebody stop me. That's Acts 3.1, that story. And then Acts 6.4, uh, he's, he's telling everybody, okay, well, let's appoint people to, you know, take care of the widows and all that. But we're going to actually devote ourselves to what? Prayer and the ministry of the word. Prayer and the ministry of the word. A lot of times I confess as a minister, we're always worried about the ministry of the word. Man, so much of it first ought to be committing ourselves to prayer. And you can look through all the epistles in the New Testament. Paul usually starts off with something like, I thank my God always for you because I've heard of your faith that I pour out my soul night and day praying for you that you would succeed. That's just a regular part of our life. Okay, so that's one reason why is our priorities are skewed. You know, it's like there is so much stuff vying for our attention and our time right now. This thing's always going bing, bing, bing. I, I can't tell you how much time we can waste like checking messages, or, oh, did somebody like that, or whatever, you know? Man, if we would just make an asserted effort to set aside time just to seek the Lord, to go prime the pump, to actually lay hold of things, then we're hitting deeper water. We're hitting that deeper drilling. Um, Stuff on the surface is vulnerable. You know what I mean? If, If our prayer life is only like, oh, Lord, I got this problem, I got that problem. It's like so susceptible to everything else in life, coming and drawing, like squeezing the sponge and drawing all the water somewhere else and we're left dry and we wonder, why, Lord, why can't I get an answer to my prayer? Why aren't you hearing these things? I think I just got ahead of myself with my second point, but internal focus is another reason why we're turned off to or why we don't run to regular prayer because our prayer, when we pray, like I said, let's, let's pray for Aunt Faye's bunions, is, is internally focused. It's the shallow level. The Lord is wanting to partner with us to see his kingdom come. I think it's very specific that when the Lord, um, in contrast to the way the Pharisees pray, when he taught his disciples to pray, he said, pray like this. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. There's something about our prayer life that needs to just start right there and just acknowledge that position, that family of God that has the Father right at the top, that Father, 
we absolutely rightly see you for who you are. We rightly see you. So it, that's like an, an enactment to what I'm saying, stepping into the throne room of God and seeing him and saying, whoa, whoa, Papa, whoa. It doesn't stop there. The next thing he says is your will be done, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, we wanna see what it looks like up here, right here. What everything that you have right there, Lord, we have it here. Jesus taught us to pray that way. We're not begging. I think sometimes we don't wanna go to prayer meetings because we're like, oh my gosh, these people need to learn how to pray or it just feels laborious. I'm just being honest. How many prayer meetings have you all been in where you tried to do that? And like, we're gonna pray for three hours, deuces, I'm not coming to that. <laughs> right? Because yeah. technically, I mean, um, technically, the, usually it, it turns into a, a, a lot of stuff about ourselves. Well, guess what? The way he taught him to pray was then secondarily, then you pray for Lord, give me my, this day my daily bread. We'll get to that in a minute, but why don't we storm heaven to bring down the things that God wants, that he wants to do. Once we have understood that, man, it's a real short, easy deal about, you know, our needs and forgiving people. Because <laughs> his is the kingdom and the glory and the honor forever, amen. Hallelujah. The sequence of the prayer, though, I think is significant. I think it's insignificant in relation to John 14. And my next point, the reason why we don't. Oftentimes, we're in a state of crisis. Right? You think that when you're in crisis, well, sometimes I think crisis... Um, brings on that kind of prayer. Oh, God, help me. Oh, God, help me. Help me, Lord. But usually every crisis really stems out of fatherlessness. The orphan is the one that gets rattled by a crisis. Because if we know who our father is, if we can rightly see our father, we're, we're good. I mean, we're coming from a place of strength. I don't care what I see around me right now. I know who I have access to. I know the way it's supposed to look. And we call that down, right? But let's look at John 14. This is one of the more, if you have your Bible, turn to John chapter 14 and verse one. I think that this, I personally believe that this passage of scripture is very much overlooked and underpreached it's probably preached a lot, but it's underpreached in the truth that it bears because we make it all about, I'm gonna fly away, oh glory, and there's a mansion waiting on me with a bunch of rooms in my father's house. I mean, I'm okay with that imagery, but I don't think that's what's going on here. It's just not what's going on. Think about where he's coming from. Jesus has been announcing to his disciples, I'm about to leave you guys. Can you imagine having given up everything in life, quitting your job, leaving your family, throwing everything to the wind because the Messiah that we've been waiting for for thousands of years is now here and you're gonna follow him. You've devoted your life to him. You've given your whole life to him. Many of you in this room have already done that in 
ways in which we do that in our culture. And then he starts saying, I'm about to leave you. But y'all got this, right? No, we don't have this. Peter says, get behind me. No, I mean, uh, Peter says, far be it from you, Lord. And then Jesus calls him Satan. <laughs> uh, but in John 14, he announces this and he says, let not your heart be troubled. In your crisis, when you feel like God is not there, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. I don't like the mansions phrase. It, it says many rooms. If you actually look at the, uh, the Greek. If it were not so, so think of rooms as a place or space. You have space at that table I talked about. In my Father's house, there's a lot of seats right here. A lot of room for you. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. This is where we kind of get off the rails because our thinking, we always think about Jesus talking about, yeah, I'm gonna die and then you're gonna die too, but don't worry, I'm gonna come back someday and I'm gonna take you to heaven. I really don't think that that's what he's talking about here. I think that our eschatology has shaped our theology to the place where everything is about if you just believe on him, then you're gonna go to heaven someday. There's so much more going on than that. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know, in the way you know. Now, if he hadn't said, and where I go, you know, in the way you know, I might jump on board with, with that other way of thinking. But he, but he said that. And the disciples are like, well, we don't know where you're going and we don't know the way. What are you talking about? What do you mean that you're gonna come and get us and take us to where you're at? Whoa, <laughs> he's talking about delivering the Holy Spirit and that union that we'd have with him, that we were seated with him in heavenly places. Not someday, oh glory, although yes, that'll be the fullest manifestation of all of the truth when God actually resurrects us from the dead. But he's talking about a relationship. He said, the way you know, right? Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going and, and uh, how can we know the way? Right? And he says to him, it's not about a location. The location is a person. Come on, guys. Y'all know the way. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. We're not talking about a location. We're talking about a person. There is a place that he has been showing them how to pray. I taught you how to access heaven, how to pull heaven down. You know the way already, right? And then they start arguing. I think uh, that was Thomas. Philip starts saying something about, um, huh? Yeah, show us the Father. He's like, Philip, how long have I been with you? And and you don't realize that if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Jump all the way down to verse 18. No, 11, sorry. 11 through 18. Same discourse. He just had a little discussion with Philip. (laughs) Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves. Oh, I thought we're talking about heaven. Now he's talking about doing miracles. 
Because I thought if we believe in him, it's all about going to heaven. Well, he says, no, believe me for the sake of the works themselves. What do you mean for the sake of the works? Well, luckily he keeps going. <laughs> Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. That doesn't sound like going to heaven. And greater works than these he will do because I go to my Father. Because I go to the Father. I'm handing off this earthly assignment to my church. And you have full access to the throne of God to look the Father in the face and say, holy, holy, holy. And Lord, we have these needs. Huh. Whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Man. If you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. The Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. So when we're in a crisis, we need to understand that we got a big, big daddy. We have direct access. We've been given the Holy Spirit to bring heaven down and to see heaven extended in our world. And we're seated there in him in heavenly places around the council to hear and debate and deliberate with God about, Lord, North Richland Hills, we want to see revival in this town. Yes. Amen, let it be done. Yes. We want to see no more cancer in Jesus' name. We want to see no more COVID in Jesus' name. And the Lord said, I said amen to that. I'll bless that, amen. But how deep have we drilled into the word of the Lord? There's something about pumping, right? Because he's talking about prayer. He's not talking about going to heaven. He's talking about prayer, and he's talking about greater works. Greater works follow the prayer, follow the water. The life follows the water. You know, you'd see Jesus doing stuff. I don't know how many times in the Gospels that before he started doing stuff, he was up on a mountain just up at the highest elevation where the water's at. <laughs> Looking down on the rest, praying down, seeking the Father. It was just a regular part of his life was prayer. All right, one more point. <laughs> one of the reasons why we don't get together and pray is because like, man, I'm gonna be embarrassed. I don't really feel like I have anything to say. You ever been in a prayer meeting where people are like, going off for half an hour and about three minutes in, you're like, amen. <laughs> yes, Lord, do it, God, which is, you know, that's a great place to start. In pursuing the heart of God and partnering with a resounding yes, we make decrees from his heart, echoing on earth what is being said in heaven. So there's a groaning too deep for words that I believe 1 Corinthians chapter 2, 10 and 12 talks about where Paul says there's um, 
Come on, internal Bible. <laughs> that I has not seen nor ear heard uh, the things that are entered into the heart of man, the things that the Lord has prepared for those that love him, right? But we have the mind of Christ, basically. The Holy Spirit has shown us these things. That means we can actually attain them. And we attain them through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one that prays with us. So I'm not going to beat around the bush with that. The Holy Spirit in Romans 8 talks about the Holy Spirit prays in us with groanings too deep for words. There's, there's something that we discover when we are surrendered, when we see the Father, when we approach prayer the way that Jesus taught his disciples to pray, that the Holy Spirit, that river of water that comes gushing up inside of us, because the word's already down in there, it partners with the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit takes over and he begins to pray. Yes. Something I discovered that absolutely changed my life when I committed to doing that prayer back in those days for years, what began to happen was the stuff in my life began to move closer and closer towards my destiny in God. Now, some of y'all are probably a lot holier than me and been pursuing God a lot harder or whatever, so you know what I'm talking about, but I was a little bit of a, a, a shoe dragger, you know, okay, Lord, but when the Lord got a hold of me, and I don't know, a month ago, I preached a sermon about the Lord asked me, do you believe in me because of an experience I had with my dad where I realized he didn't believe in me, and the Lord said, yeah, but do you believe in me? That's what it feels like to be me, John, because when you say you believe in me, but you don't do what I'm asking you to do, then I just feel like, do you though? Well, I hope I'm not stepping on toes here. I'm just, talking, I'm just talking real. I'm talking about me and my experience. But what I discovered was when I surrendered my heart to the Lord and actually pursued what he wants, his will to be done on earth, the Holy Spirit shows up and he starts praying through you. So yesterday, me and Brad was here praying, right? We started exalting the Lord, just declaring who he is, declaring how good he is. And we went right into um, praying over the things, that, that tapping into the reservoir, words, promises that God has given to the church, that he's given to us personally. We would declare those things. Yes, God said this is going to happen. We, we declare that that is, we give our amen, we give our yes to that. We say it out loud. My mom used to tell me about how she would, she was in the hospital or whatever. She worked in a hospital and she'd see sick people and she would just pray in her mind over them. And I'm like, my youth pastor always taught me, that's not prayer. Praying in your mind, that's meditation. But actual prayer is like you have to move your mouth. You have to make a sound. You have to let your voice be heard. Whew. There's this thing that happens. There's like a fusion, like a, a welding that happens between your heart and the Lord's when, the Holy, when you begin to hold, partner with the Holy Spirit in praying what he wants to pray for. You realize those are prayers he's going to answer. <laughs> I'm sure y'all have heard people preach this before. So there's no, what I'm getting at is there's no fear for us like, well, I don't know, I just don't have anything to say. Guess what? You, you probably don't. But if you know the one who does and you press into him, that's the way. The Ezekiel 47 river in Revelation 22, it's interesting. The further that you get from the temple, the deeper it gets. The more you start to draw it out, the deeper it gets. The more the river begins to wash and to take control of you and actually sweep you downstream. 
But that's where, if you read in Ezekiel, when it actually goes all the way down, it, it dumps into the Dead Sea. I talked to the mortars yesterday. They were yesterday in the Dead Sea. They said, nope, it's still full of salt. You can't even put your head under. You just flop on it. It's almost like dry ground, you know. It's the lowest place on earth. I think they said it's like a 1,000 foot or more below sea level. I think I've heard that it's what's left of Sodom and Gomorrah that was destroyed. Hole in the ground, the, the, the lowest, deepest, most uninhabitable water on, on earth. And when the river actually reaches it, it brings life and it heals that which is dead to where the fish are swimming in it and it's teeming with life. I don't know. Somebody said they're starting to see fish in it. I don't know if that's true or not, but that that prophecy is coming true as we get closer to Christ's return. I want to be a part of it. Y'all want to be a part of ushering in the Messiah when he gets to, when he comes, he comes back and he goes, wow, y'all got it. Y'all are doing the deal. Well done, good and faithful. We don't have to wait to see him. Buy the oil. The water in the aquifer is the word of the Lord that does not return void. We need to dig. Y'all, we need to dig. For this next season that God's taking us into, there's all these promises, not just for our church, but for Texas, that there's gonna be revival that blows the lid off the nation that comes out of Texas. I don't want to be like looking over there going, oh man, they're on fire. I wish we could get some of that. No. God's actually chosen us and he's put us right here. He's blessed us so much that we get to be a part of what God is doing in the earth right now. Ha, ah, come on. We're here anyway. Let's see what he's going to do. Come on. So I don't know where that was all going, but I just know that that there's something about leveraging. I, I spoke uh, a week or so ago about uh, the Lord saying, rob my bank account. Come get, buy without money. Come on and get more. And I'm telling you that the actual way to do that, like the nuts and bolts, the, the, the gears and the motor, is prayer and intercession. We can get so far with worship that... That kind of gets you in the, in the ballpark. And then it's time to dig, dig, dig. Y'all with me? Yes, we are. Saturdays at 8. I won't actually be here next week, but we are going to make sure that we start doing that. So anyways, it's available to you. This isn't to guilt you or try to put anything on you. I'm actually trying to inspire you and tell you that there's this amazing thing. that because, As a matter of fact, I know that those years of me praying... A lot of it was focused on the last church. That church now has actually come into their destiny and is exploding. It struggled for a long time, but it's, it's doing really well right now. And uh, I know that the Lord's like, yep, you have, a, you have a part in that. You have fruit from that. But also, and, you're here. and I'm here. Yeah. I, tr- I truly believe that yeah. where uh, I have walked was actually birthed in prayer. Yeah. I was tapping that reservoir. Anyways. So, I think you'll get, well, let's just stand up and let's, why don't we just do that for a few minutes? I think that the, the atmosphere is um, thick right now with just the Lord's desire to flow that river of life into 
your particular need and situation. Uh, we'll do that for a few minutes and then we'll just go ahead and close the service. But So Father, it looks just like this. Father, we love you. We just exalt your holy name. Jesus, there is none like you. You are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You are absolutely worthy of all of our praise. Lord, all of the energy, all the affection, all the adoration of our hearts, God, we pour it out to you. We just declare that you alone are worthy, Lord, that your wisdom is higher than our wisdom, Lord. Your, your ways is higher than our ways, Lord. You sit above at the mountain, God, and you look down upon the sons of men, Lord, and you love us and you desire that none should perish, but all should receive of everlasting life, God, that God life, that we would be caught up in who you are, in your presence. Lord, we don't want to go anywhere or do anything that isn't absolutely covered up in your presence, God, that we would find ourselves before your very throne. That, Lord, as we surrender, we are there just laying our lives down at the altar. And, Lord, we know that our prayers are in that golden bowl. They're incense before your throne. Lord, when that bowl gets to the place where it overflows, it's like you pour it out, Lord, and the the water flows. It goes all the way downhill and it heals the lowest place. God, we want to see healed, people healed. We want to see miracles, God, signs and wonders. We want to see it, God. We want to see people in our families, God. We don't want anyone else to die of COVID. We don't want to see anyone else die of cancer, God. We rebuke cancer right now in the name of Jesus. We rebuke disease in the name of Jesus. We declare that you are Jehovah Rapha. You are our healer. You're the God that heals us. You are faithful, Lord. Faithful are you, God. Lord, we're crying out that you do a new thing in our town. Lord, we pray that there be an awakening of hearts to the presence of God, to the kingdom of God. Lord, we pray that even this message of the kingdom would go forth and it would resound throughout the land, God. Lord, we ask that your kingdom come right here in our communities, in our church. Lord, where people have struggled for so long, God, we pray that there would be breakthrough. Lord, we ask that the hearts of the children be returned to the fathers and the hearts of the fathers be returned to children. God, we pray that you would end fatherlessness in our our generation, God. God, would you strengthen and build up godly families. Y'all go ahead and pray in the spirit. It's cool. If there's anybody that's struggling with a physical anything, please come down here. If you need healing, come down here to the front. We're going to lay hands on you. If you need provision, God, we thank you that you give us our daily bread, Lord. Everything that we need is found in your presence. Lord, there's more than enough healing. There's more than enough finances. There's more than enough mental capacity. There's more than enough strength to persevere in the day of trial. 
elder staff, if you if, want y'all come down and anoint people. Thank you for listening to the Consumed Church weekly podcast. This entire service and others can be viewed on our Facebook and YouTube channels. If you would like to partner with us in raising the next generation of kingdom bringers, you can do so at theconsumedchurch.com slash give.